here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Okay, folks, happy Sunday night. Happy Masters week. We are posted up in Augusta, Georgia. We've got some big news. Our first big news on this podcast is that a certain quarterback, not Tom Brady, but the next best thing, Peyton Manning, is joining the show. Uh, we recorded an interview with him a couple days ago. We will get to that, but first, Sean, we do have someone else in Augusta, Georgia with us. Not just Tiger Woods, but special guest Luke Curtinine, resident Brit, is sitting here in the room with us. Luke, thanks for being here. It's always a pleasure, Dylan and Sean. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Golf.com's favorite Brit. The biggest news from here today is that not just that we have touched down in Augusta, Georgia, but that a certain other Masters champion has too. That's Mr. Tiger Woods who hit balls for about 20 to 25 minutes today, as you may have seen on the internet, greeted Billy Horschel, greeted Max Homa, greeted Kevin Na, played a few holes with Cameron Davis, exactly the usual suspects you'd expect what Tiger you, to be joining. What do you think Cameron Davis talked to Tiger about today? I don't know. The kangaroos. <laughs> hey, man, it's really great to see you out here. I'm really nervous right now. Yeah. What can you tell me about Amen Corner? <laughs> <laughs> There's a little anecdote. Jim McCabe, uh, who's writing for Masters.com this week, uh, was writing about how Aaron Jarvis, who's a 19-year-old from the Cayman Islands, tried to catch up to Tiger, but basically that it wasn't happening. Uh, but anyway, the big story from today, Tiger Woods practicing at Augusta National. Is he playing? Is he not? We'll get to that after Sean Zock tells you about our favorite partners. Our favorite partner is our presenting sponsor. That is Radmore. We have told you a bunch about how we love the gear at Radmore. We're wearing it right now. The spring line just launched, but even better than that, we've got a Drop Zone logo on the gear now. Drop Zone merchandise, folks. Look, this is really exclusive stuff. Not only can you not buy it online, the only place you can get it is in Augusta, Georgia right now from... You're going to be able to buy it online, I believe. Okay, well... But for now, limited drop. Extremely limited. In Augusta, Georgia this week. Yeah, I think the only time you could buy it would be Monday... Uh, would be Tuesday night and Wednesday night, or if you may meet up with us and uh, we're feeling generous. Anyways, Radmore, it is all great stuff, and you brought a bunch of it from Seattle with you, so my... Luke, in 15 <laughs> seconds, could you speak to the properties of the Radmore crew neck that you're currently wearing? Oh, it's, it's comfortable. It's stylish. The logo is strategically placed on the right side of my chest, which is something a little That's different. That's your good side. You know, and I think I've been complimented by two Radmore ambassadors today. All right. Terrific. That was 15 seconds. You can go to radmoregolf.com. That's R-A-D-M-O-R golf.com. Enter the code DROPZONE for a preposterous 25% off. Take it or leave it, folks. We're giving you a discount. We're also giving you a Rockform discount. We've been talking about the Rockform G-Rock speaker for a few weeks. We used it today, Sean. We used it together. Today. Finally, you and I got out for a round of golf. First round of golf you and I have played together in five or six months since Pinehurst. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the first time that Miss Carly Rae Jepsen accompanied us, too. <laughs> yes. It's one of those things. Whenever you buy a speaker, you kind of 
wondering how will it handle in the wild what we we put it to work today and i think it's going to be clipped onto my bag moving forward you and i like to walk right and one of the important things about this speaker is that it it has those magnets that sticks really hard to the golf cart great for a golf what's, cart what's great also, is that it also has the clip so if yeah. you are hiking if you are walking if you're hoofing it whatever clip it on your backpack i clipped it onto my golf bag and what i really liked is that the clip is not this like long rope so it's just the, the speaker just hangs tightly to your bag it doesn't get in the way it's not like clanking around um and beyond that i like that it's only a hundred dollars and if you pay with the code dz20 that's dz20 you get 20 percent off so it's 80 dollars, and i think it's pretty much free shipping everywhere so buy yourself a rock form speaker luke i'm glad you're here because when it comes to Tiger Woods, we can tend to be uh, prisoners of the moment and also of the future. I think we see him doing something, we immediately jack up expectations to a ridiculous degree. But can I just ask you, how surprised should we be that Tiger Woods is here and, by all appearances, going to play in this year's Masters? I mean, I think when it comes to being surprised... Like, I don't necessarily think we should be surprised because we think about things in a very rational way, just as normal humans. We're rational men. Yeah, you know, we think like, oh man, I just blew out my knee. It's not feeling so great. Maybe I shouldn't like walk up and down this hill and twist around <laughs> it a bunch of times at 100 miles an hour. Whereas Tiger Woods <laughs> is programmed to be this like merciless winner. Yeah. And the I don't know Tiger Woods, but I know how that guy thinks and he's thinking like you know what if, if i can stand on this leg i can swing if i can swing i can play and if i can play i can win you know it's it's completely irrational yeah. i think from a from a rational person's perspective but i think tiger woods just can't quit it no matter what he says in a press conference no matter how much he tries to tamp down mm -hmm. expectations about all this he just can't quit the chase of being the guy who could potentially get out there and win another green jacket and win another major and compete. I mean, this is his life. This is everything that he has been like focused towards since he was young, right? He just can't say yeah. no. Well, I think I think that's true. Like I think he the chase has been his entire life since he was, you know, hitting balls on national TV during a late night show. That that has been his life. But there was something different about this most recent comeback that made him pause and made all of us pause we thought the guy might not survive the crash we thought he might not survive it with two legs fully intact and so i don't think it's it was wrong for us or anyone to think like this this could be it and just because he enjoys the chase doesn't that's not why he's here i think he he has convinced himself that yeah he, he's capable of 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 reaching a new height. <laughs> um, remember when he first came back and and he does the interview with Golf Digest, he's immediately invoking Mr. Hogan, right? Well, Mr. Hogan came back and he played on a limited schedule, but he played the most important events. Like that's already where his mind was at. He's like, yeah, I've won 15 majors and I've won uh, a major since my ridiculous fusion surgery. Like he's ascended here and what could make him go higher? He didn't purposely get in a car accident, but once he did, what could make him become even more legendary, invoke Mr. Hogan and do this? 
Like he's here. That it, it is bananas, but I think that's how he, he thinks about this whole thing is like I can go higher than I've ever gone and no one else can get as high as I've been. Yeah, like I think what we've seen from Tiger is him redefining what like success is slightly. You know, so it used to be like success is winning majors and winning takes care of everything and that's it. But now we're sort of seeing a slightly more nuanced view of like success as being a good father and yeah. success as walking pain-free and playing in the Masters again. That said, the fact that Tiger Woods feels the need to chase more success is like what what like makes this guy yeah. tick. What makes all these like like a Michael Jordan type yeah. tick, right? And it, that's what to me is so amazing is that Tiger Woods does not need to bother doing it up this week. Part of you has to wonder like why are you why are you doing this tiger four months ago he sat down with golf digest he sat down at the hero in front of everyone and he told the press he told the world how much he enjoyed simply getting up from bed and walking outside and hearing the birds sing he said that that has give that gave me an unreal amount of joy that speaks to how low he was not long ago it is. I mean, he's going to hear the birds sing this week. Yeah. But it, it. He would go outside and just lie down on the grass. Yeah. I mean, yeah. To Luke's point, he has really relished the ability to uh, jump over hurdles, even when they've been, you know, sadly self inflicted difficulties that he's run into. Tiger has just continued to redefine himself in the sense that, you know, he has. Uh, succeeded under more and more difficult circumstances. This, I don't think anyone would argue, is the most difficult of all, not just because he's getting older, <laughs> not just because he shattered his foot, um, but you know because of just the combination of things that mean this is his, what, fourth significant comeback from yeah. time away? Can we, can we put it plain for people, though? Please. For people who didn't see that he played today, or going to wake up on Monday morning and be like, is he ready to play? Is he going to play the Masters? Yes. Yeah, he is. He would not yeah. be doing this. He is, again, like this whole comeback and everything has been with a little bit more uh, softer expectations from yeah. Tiger himself. But is this a smart move, Sean? Like, do you like the way he's approached this and why? I like it a lot because he has been... He's been slow and methodical about it. He was not giving us weekly updates. You know, he didn't come out with saying like, I'm working on this or I'm working on that. And at the Genesis, he kept expectations pretty low. Uh, we're tracking his his flight, his, his private jet late last week. And he didn't come out and say anything about it. And what did he come out to, on Sunday morning? He said, I'm flying up to Augusta. I'm going to play some practice rounds this week. I'm still trying to figure things out. And a week ago on this podcast, we were basically like, he's trying to prove himself wrong. Rory, in his presser this week, he said, I think Tiger likes to prove himself wrong. He was trying to figure out, and he didn't know yet. He, he has not BS'd us really in the past week by saying like, we're gearing up for Augusta. He was not ready to come out and say, I'm playing in the Masters. I think each day he's trying to find out more about his body, but the fact that he's going to practice Sunday night, he's going to practice tomorrow, Monday. Tuesday looks like it might be a bit of a washout in a weird way. Um, who knows if he plays the, the par three contest, but he's gearing up to play. So yes. it would be a huge setback, I think, that would keep him from playing. 
Yeah, I mean, if you read the accounts, uh, we did not make it onto property today, Sunday. Uh, but if you read the accounts of the few people that were there, it's definitely pretty encouraging stuff. I mean, sounds like Tiger was flushing it on the range. I mean, it's so hard with this stuff, I hope right? He was. It's like <laughs> it 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 come it gets so quickly to hysteria. You can't just really have an opinion of like, you know, I think Tiger's probably gonna have a slightly better than average week. Yeah, you know, I think he could make the cut. I think it's possible he could even finish in the top twenty if he has a great week. That immediately gets tossed out the window in the favor of you know who you tried know, doing that. Tiger's definitely gonna. You win. Who tried doing that a week <laughs> ago or this past week? Kyle Porter, CBS friend of the program, was asked, "What you know is this? Is this plausible? Is it yeah. smart for him to?" And Kyle injected some much needed blunt reality, and he said, "The Tiger stands were not." He having said, it. "There's no way that Tiger Woods can confidently assert that he's here to win." It's not possible. Like it's not. It it doesn't work this way. That you don't play on the PGA Tour after a, a life altering accident. You have no competitive reps, and then you come back to this event and can can assume like you've always assumed that I'm here to win. It's not. And then oh my gosh, did he get roasted on social media? <laughs> and like he's thankfully Kyle's smart enough dude to not let that stuff bother him. But holy cow, the people were out after him with their pitchforks because. Tiger is a god. He's a superhuman, and we believe everything is capable with him. Um, it, you're right. We our expectations went up in flames. Doesn't matter <laughs> what he what he actually does. Um, everything is gonna be it's gonna be good, but we're still gonna be waiting for him to play like really good golf because he's here. He's he's the king. Yeah, and the thing that to me is so amazing about what Tiger Woods is trying to do and in, in fact like seeming like he is going to do is the, you know and and to kyle's point it's that he's doing this with like broken body effectively i mean like his latest injury was not only his worst but it was the latest in a long string of injuries before this between his back and his back issues have sort of overshadowed the fact that he had a variety of different injuries with his legs even before all that right and so when you look at comparisons in other sports of people coming back and mounting these huge comebacks they were maybe a little older maybe not quite in their sort of peak physical prowess but they still had all the tools at their disposal whereas what tiger woods is about to embark on is a situation where you know he literally doesn't have his legs from under him yeah really and he's wearing non-nike golf shoes right now yeah like this is this is a we can't think that this is the king that's back in every way he's always been. Yeah. And like, look, I, I, I think Tiger Woods is going to play. I think Tiger Woods thinks he's going to play too. He's saying this game time decision thing because he's probably, that's to me, I read that statement. It's like he's reserving the right to bow out if he wakes up one day and his, his knee and feels he's probably woken horrible. up like that a couple of days this past month. You know Absol- what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We might hit one of those days on Wednesday and be like, oh, I've never shit. had, thankfully, an injury that severe, but everybody who I've talked to has had comparable injuries say, yeah, some days you just like <laughs> don't have it, yeah. man. You can't walk. And I think that this is what Tiger Woods is like hoping doesn't happen. Um, and yeah, like that's just such a, that to Kyle's point, again, is is what's so difficult to comprehend that the fact that this guy doesn't even really have a leg that he could depend on 
Like, you can't expect that guy to win a Masters no matter who he is. If he doesn't play at this point, it's a huge letdown. A Masters distraction, uh, like we really haven't seen, type of letdown. Yeah. Um, far greater than when, like, Dustin Johnson, number one player of the world, three straight wins in 2017, suddenly slips, hurts his back, and he can't play. That was a huge letdown, but this would be immensely greater. <laughs> what are realistic expectations and what is your prediction for Tiger Woods' week, Sean? You first. <laughs> um, it, if I'm a realist, and I this is what I think will happen to Tiger, uh, he's going to play, and he's going to make the cut because it's an easy cut to make. There's there's basically 60 good players, yeah, like like tour-level players at this place. You know what's hard to do? Just make the cut regular weeks in the PGA yeah. Tour, 156 dudes. Yeah. This week, not as hard because there's a number of old guys playing in the field. Yeah. Um, what's our field size? About 90, 91? Yeah. JJ Spawn? maybe with JJ Spawn. Um, so I think it's top 50 in ties. So that would take two rounds around even par for Tiger. And I think he's got it in him, you know? He's he's a, he's so wickedly smart that he, he can still not have it and shoot one under out here. Um So you have him between and I think that's, somewhere between making the cut but not contending yeah, is out and that's like it's pretty unfair cuz that's a high expectation. Guy has not hit a competitive golf shot on the PGA Tour. Uh, in a long time. And remember when he was still playing the PGA Tour before his accident? He, he was hurting. <laughs> he wasn't playing events. Sure. His back was all screwed up. <sighs> but read the tea leaves, man. The guy looks good. He's playing good. People are excited about him. And he's playing a course that he knows better than any other single player in the field. That's worth... like. His experience at Augusta is worth how many strokes around compared to J.J. Spawn four or five whoa maybe not per round i just think like he but it's if you put him in the same position as jj spawn Mm -hmm. every single shot i think he knows maybe yeah maybe that is too yeah yeah. i'm just saying if jj spawn shoots 69 we shouldn't expect tiger to shoot 64 no and i don't think that's what i meant i meant more like if they play the same round of golf from the same shots tiger's knowledge out here is worth maybe three Mm -hmm. shots saved per round and that might be that's probably too much too but like he's just going to find better spots on the greens there's incremental little half gains all around the course i agree with you luke what place will tiger woods finish this week and why i sort of think he's going to make the cut because this guy just never ceases to amaze me but i i do think that that should be the basically the singular aim in tiger woods as well and and making the cut and the reason i say that is because look if it's gonna pour on wednesday uh, and or tuesday all it takes is is one bad shot and then he's in the pine straw slippery at the best of times wet you know that's not gonna feel good to the knee maybe he's been walking 12 holes hits it into a bunker suddenly his footing isn't there it just takes one awkward lie one awkward shot in order for him to start feeling really bad yeah. once again. And so that's why I think like as excited as I am to see Tiger Woods teared up, let's just not get carried away here and say, look, if he can make the cut, that's a monumental achievement. Yes. And 
Totally agree. What I, what I like struggle to understand when it comes to pro golfers and like us trying to, to understand the conditions that they're going to face. Like, yeah, it is going to maybe be a little wet at the beginning of the event. Um, and then it might be a little chilly in the middle of, of the weekend. Um, and the course itself should play a little trickier. I always wonder if that would benefit Tiger or not. Like if it's wet, you're just giving the, the best iron player that ever lived a wet golf course to just hit here and then hit there and then hit there. That should seemingly play into his hands. But then you think like, Oh, a wet golf course. Well, it's got to be good for just like someone like Rory who hits his driver everywhere and isn't going to have these rollouts into the pine straw. I don't really know like what suits bestly for Tiger here. I don't, I don't quite know what to think about the conditions because that matters, matters quite a bit. I don't see him finishing outside the top 20. <laughs> you were waiting for me to stop BSing just so you could say that with a smile. I just wanted to get that. Um, on the record, I mean, as someone that predicted throughout the week in 2019 that Tiger Woods would win the Masters, I would like to feel like I have some credibility on the subject. Um, I've also predicted Xander Shoffley to win the last seven major championships <laughs> in a row. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, while we have Luke here, and because we have an extremely exciting interview on tap, I just, you know, I think, Sean, you and I, I think are going to save our predictions yes. for Tuesday's yes. podcast. But Luke, I was hoping you could shed some light on, you know, kind of your early investment strategy this week. Uh, a couple players you think might be undervalued or, uh, or, or at least good fits for this year's Masters. I, I love looking for value in these positions. And so I think I've conjured up a few of them. The one I'm particularly excited about is Adam Scott. Mm-hmm. I think I nabbed him at 45 to one. But to me, this is a guy who, you know, as... You pointed out, Dylan, on the drop zone the other week, sneaky good putter nowadays, at least according to PJ Tour statistics, racked up a few top 10 finishes to obviously a past champion at the Masters here. Uh, I don't I don't know if he's going to walk away. He's, uh, let me put it this way. He's not the most likely player to walk away with the second green jacket. That said, like he is fairly likely to get himself into contention if he's playing well. Obviously he knows how to win here before. I think it's you'll be hard-pressed to find better value than that. He knows how to shoot 68 out here in like so many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Like kind of casually, not casually, but like just calmly where it's like you don't really realize like, oh, Adam Scott, he basically, I think in order to succeed at Augusta, you have to be able to not on command, but like a couple different times shoot 32 on the back nine that week where you, you make a bunch of birdies, you birdie the par fives. And that's how you you never get too far behind. That's what Rory has lacked in part of not being able to like shoot multiple 32s on the back. He's he's hit himself in the face with 39s on the front. Adam Scott just feels like he can go 33, 32, 31, 32. Like just kind of without you even noticing. And I guess that's why yeah, he's there. Yeah, like clockwork. Yeah. Exactly. And to, honestly, that's kind of been the theme that I've been looking at when I look at this order. I feel like, when you look at the top of the world golf rankings right now, what you see is like an eclectic mix of guys who are, you know, kind of rounding into pretty peak form for them. And I think a few guys that maybe aren't quite getting traction, like, you know, John Rahm hasn't quite gotten going this this season yet, for instance. Patrick Cantlay, maybe the same. Um, and so I think when you look at that from Augusta, you say, oh, well, these top guns aren't quite firing. There's a few other guys who are kind of popping around. 
Um, let's start looking at course form then, because that's kind of the one thing that we, that's the one transaction we can really sort of count on around here, Augusta. Yeah. And so, you know, a guy like Adam Scott fits that bill. A guy like Justin Rose is a guy I could see like popping up around the <laughs> I know I'm, I'm biased, but you know, obviously lost in a playoff here, has played a bazillion times, has played well here. Um, you know, you, I think he's plus, uh, plus 8,000, I believe. Yeah, plus 8,000. I mean, again, like, as a value play, it's it's going to be hard pressed to find another one. But my 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 sneaky sleeper hit, what I'm so excited about, is uh, is Stuart Sink. Okay, it's won each of the last two seasons, Sean. All right, just down this time last year, he was just about to win down the road at Harbour Town. Okay. Yeah, I feel like I know a Dylan. I can see him. He's like looking up. What is Stuart Sink's? Masters history. What has he done at this tournament? He's played it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen times. Course, so he knows the course inside of <laughs> two top tens in nineteen. Yeah, but break tries. down those top tens. He he has one of them was one tenth, of them was so tenth. Barely. The other one, I believe, was a solo third. T three. 2008. 2008. So this guy knows how to compete. Trevor Immelman's open. Again, I'm not saying this guy's the most likely favorite to win the green jacket, but at plus 30,000 or whatever the heck he's floating around at nowadays, certainly worth an each way bet or a top 10. He's 300 to 1. 300 to 1. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. You could have said that a lot earlier. (laughs) Again, it's all about finding the value. And to me, that's. He did finish T12 last year. I know, sneaky tweet T12. And then won the next week. So, I don't know, Georgia guy, Georgia Tech. Seems like a written in the stuff. T12 was losing by 10 strokes last year. I think you could redistribute your wealth there to just to our our guy, uh, Keita Nakajima, going off at 250 to 1. He's just a really polished AM. When we've seen him play on the PGA Tour, he has... Looked like he belongs. I'm not sure he's one. He doesn't have it. He has two fewer top tens, I should say, at the Masters than Stuart Sink. But he's also had, <laughs> what, 19 fewer tries. Uh, Garrick Higo also. Lefty who has been playing pretty bad golf for about the last eight to ten months. Going to finish in the top 20 this week. You heard it here first, folks. A name you won't hear on any other Masters, Masters preview podcast, Sean. All right, let's move on, Dylan, to what will be a really fun part of this podcast. We were joined by one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Not Tom Brady, not Aaron Rodgers. Peyton Manning joined the drop zone. Yes, that Peyton Manning joined you and I for a little discussion uh, on you know, the Sweetens Cove stuff, some bourbon, golf advice. Uh, and before you and I talk about that, we first have to get into one last ad read. It is Global Golf, Dylan. Global Golf has one letter on its mind right now, and that letter is you. You. Global Golf's various services are you try, you trade in, and you select, and they're all about getting people into the right golf clubs for them. You try is about you trying brand new gear for two weeks. Love it, keep it. Don't love it, send it back. You Trade In allows you to trade in your previously owned gear for credit towards the newest and best. We love that. 
And finally, you select is all about personalized recommendations from golf professionals to help you select the best gear for your game. So it's you try, you trade in, you select. It is all about you, the golfer at Global Golf. Check it out at globalgolf.com. How much fun did you have talking to Peyton Manning? Sean, I've got some regrets, and one of them is that I did not, <laughs> I didn't even mention Tom Brady the entire time. I almost did. I was gonna, I was gonna dig you and prop up Peyton by yep. mentioning Tom. And I we had a limited like amount of back. time with Peyton. We, uh, you know, we even pushed the limits on that. There were a couple of technical difficulties to start with. So you know, I mean, time was tight. We wanted to get his golf advice. Uh, we wanted to kind of backdoor our way into a couple masters related questions uh there was a lot of stuff that we wanted to get from we Peyton succeeded we there did succeed. we we got a master's pick out of him um so it was awesome but yeah i did not get to you know when we hung out with patrick mahomes last year you know i had i just i felt better coming clean that like hey man i think you're great i love tom brady <laughs> you'll never be i didn't go. get the chance maybe we'll see him this week Peyton. we'll uh Yes. Get to shake his hand, enjoy a, a sip of the toughest, Cove. The toughest part about this interview yeah. was that you set it up, right? And I'm on the other end of the call, just kind of mm-hmm. waiting. Press record, waiting for Peyton to join. Calls in. He's dealing with some te- technical difficulties. Couldn't quite get his camera uh, to go sure, yeah, or yeah. horizontal. I mean, a classic just non-rotate iPhone situation. We've been there. Yeah. Um, and he only knew your name, didn't know my name. Pretty much throughout the interview, just kind of referenced Dylan. I think if you'll notice, there's a Dylan and a pal dropped in in his very first thing that he said to me. So that's cool for me. It's super cool for you. At one point, you'll even hear me kind of try and rush and be like, "Hey, my, my name's Sean." Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget about me. <laughs> you, I, you can. You've put some thought into this. I can tell this has haunted you a little bit. Um, all right, Sean, should we send the people to Peyton Manning? Yes, this is Peyton Manning in the drop zone. All right, folks. He's not here to announce that he's coming out of retirement. We don't think he's not here to announce that he's playing the masters. We also don't think, but Peyton Manning is here in the drop zone to make a couple announcements and we're going to prod him for a little bit of advice and hopefully a master's pick. So Peyton, thank you for being here. You bet, Dylan. Thanks for having me, pal. I appreciate it. Peyton. Your uh, your former partner, Tiger Woods, we're kind of sitting on the edge of our seats here waiting for his announcement, whether he's going to play the Masters, not play the Masters. I was wondering if you just have uh, have any Tiger Woods stories for us or just any thoughts on Tiger uh, as he kind of hits this stage of his career. Yeah, going behind the ropes with Tiger in that match against Phil and Tom Brady, it's kind of made my golf matches with my buddies and a couple of member guests disappointing since then it's been a major letdown when my friend uh eric black can't get up and down from some of the places that tiger did i'm like what are you doing tiger gets up and down there all the time and he's like yeah i haven't won that many majors so maybe it wasn't the best thing but you know i'm competitive tiger made me go to his house on the morning of that match i had to go through his full body warm-up routine like like tiger i used to get there about 20 minutes before hit some balls, maybe have a beer and go play. He's like, no, I want you here at 8 a.m. to work with my body masseuse. You got to get in the sauna. We're going to work out together. 
We're going to hit balls and putt. So he wow. was in full grind mode. He wanted to beat Phil. Uh, and so I didn't want to let him down. Yeah. Was it effective? How'd you feel when you got to the yeah. course that day? You know, I mean, I felt good. And obviously when we get there, there's a monsoon coming down right. in South right. Florida. It was like the worst, something about me in Florida in major events. I played the Super Bowl in the rain there and I played yep. this golf match in the rain. So all that warm up went to, went to, went to all for naught uh, um, after the rain came down. Peyton, I want to have us transition a little bit to golf advice. America. we've had one person do golf advice with us it was xander shoffley and frankly i think he said the bar pretty high and you're gonna have to try and clear that um but let's start with it this one comes from tony he's a 14 handicap tony says that he agreed to play a legit 40 dollars match with his buddy similar handicaps but his buddy got upset when tony didn't give him any putts he said he wanted to make everything hit the bottom of the cup, but was Tony wrong? Is there a length inside the leather, three feet, two feet, four feet? That should definitely be given in a $40 match between buddies. Tony, you know, it all comes down to communication. You know, when you're calling plays in the line of scrimmage, <laughs> if, if you're not 100% clear on what this play is going to be, somebody misinterprets it, right? If your right guard is not blocking the same play, that's going to hurt the quarterback. So I'm putting that one on you, Tony. I mean, you got to get that ironed out before you hit your first shot on one. Hey, we're putting everything out today. Okay, that's the deal. You negotiate that, and then, therefore, there are no surprises. But, you know, the fact that your buddy kind of dropped that news on you probably on the first or second hole, you know, I probably wouldn't, you know, have that guy to my birthday dinner next year. Either. Here we so, go. Uh, uh, both of you are probably in the wrong Get it all ironed out on that first tee. Therefore, we don't have these type of disagreements. Tony says he won three and two, so I feel like it was effective for him. Um, all right, the next, the next one's from our friend Chris. He's a 21 handicap. He's British. I won't do the accent, but you can kind of hear it that way as I read it out. Uh, I'm going to the Tuesday practice round at the Masters this year with my dad. Our first time there. I'm so fired up, but I'm also nervous. This has been on his bucket list forever. I don't want to screw it up. Hoping you can help. Do you have any recommendations on favorite spots or where we should watch and how to tackle the day? Chris, I went to my first Masters. Uh, golly, it's almost been probably close to 20 years now. And uh, I followed Arnold Palmer. And I wow. thought that was pretty cool. It was in the rain, had an umbrella, and, and followed him for, you know, like 14 holes. And so uh, there's something cool about that, Chris. If you and your dad – have a favorite golfer. I mean, obviously, if Tiger plays, that, that's mm -hmm. probably a no-brainer. But, you know, pick pick one golfer that you want to follow and watch him all the way through. You get to see the different holes. You get to feel like you're kind of connected with that player's round. If he goes on to, to contend on Sunday, you can kind of say you were there uh, on that Tuesday practice round as he was kind of getting ready. So, uh, you know, maybe pick a player playing his practice round, uh, follow him, and uh, – Boy, just enjoy that great father-son time. I was just with uh, Eli and my brother and my dad on a little trip uh, just the other day. Uh, there's nothing quite like it, so um, enjoy it, pal. Who's got the best game in the Manning family real quick? You know, I think Eli has the chance no! to, to, get, to get pretty low. <laughs> you know, I've kind of been disappointed. I kind of always said if I could just start playing in the fall after football, I'm going to go down to a scratch. 
it just hasn't happened. Um, <laughs> it, it's been a letdown for me. Uh, I think Eli actually has a chance. Eli's got, you know, four kids. I mean, his weekend golf is shot too, but he does get to play a little more year round in the fall. I could see his handicap taking a big dip. So, um, uh, I don't think any of our golf games are really anything to write home about. I'll say that. Okay. Two more quick golf advices for you. This one, like, kind of going with the family theme. This is from Liz. She is an 11 handicap. It's kind of simple. Uh, she says, my dad, and my brother are coming into town. We're going to play golf, but me and my brother are both in our thirties. Now we don't get to see each other that often. I want it to be the best day ever, a very memorable day. How do you make the best golf day possible? Well, I think you take, you know, you and whoever wants to play to play and whoever doesn't want to play let them walk behind you or drive the cart and, and bring the beers, right? And bring the Sweetens Cove bourbon, right? I and mean, let That's right. There you go. Tie it back let in. Everybody, yeah, nice, nice cheesy plug there. Uh, <laughs> you know, like the whole key is letting everybody be a part of it. I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that wants to get everybody involved. And what you don't want to say is, hey, we're going to play golf for the next four hours. You stay home. If, if, if one of your relatives doesn't want to play, just invite them, bring it, you know, bring them along right uh as thornton mellon said in back to school we could always use more ice right so you know <laughs> let, let somebody be a part of it you know look golf's a great getaway i mean i, I mentioned playing with my dad and brothers i play with you know my wife and kids it's it's three to four hours where you know put the phones down enjoy the time together enjoy the fellowship i used to love playing with my teammates playing for the colts and the broncos uh, there really is a bonding there that takes place, I think, on a golf course that can kind of help you in some other ways. Did you have talented teammates, good golfers? You, you know, you never want to get them playing too good because that means they're playing too much. Usually yeah, yeah. your kicker and your punter the kickers, are kind of yep. the best, right? I mean, they keep a nine iron in the locker, you know. So, <laughs> uh, But, you know, there's kind of that fine line between are you a better golfer or are you a better football player? Let's kind of keep the priorities in order. Uh, I think a lot of them have gotten a lot better post football. Mm. Yeah, that's probably as it should be. All right. One more golf advice. I'm actually interested in what you have to say. Cause I think this is a tricky one. Uh, let's see. This is from Mike it says my buddy is having his bachelor party in Jacksonville this year. Got a block of tea times at TPC Sawgrass, but here's the thing. I suck at golf. Breaking a hundred <laughs> is a laughable idea. Former baseball player. So I can make contact but it goes in ridiculous directions. Uh, he's worried it's going to be the most expensive round he's ever played. Should I save the tea time money and use it to stock up the Airbnb with supplies and wait for everyone to get back? Or if I play, how should I approach the round? That's a tough one, Mike, because that is not a easy golf course by any means. <laughs> and I think if you broke a hundred, that would be really impressive. Uh, based on the fact you don't really play golf, the baseball Hopefully that carries over. That's not going to help you on 17 at all. You know, you'll no. probably lose all your, all your golf balls on that one hole, but you got to go. I mean, yeah. it's a bachelor party, right? I mean, you're with your buddies. Uh, you know, you know, the groom is, is going to be playing golf. You don't want to be giving supplies for the Airbnb. That sounds miserable, right? I mean, go, <laughs> go play. Uh, look, if you hit one good shot and that's all that matters. I mean, if you, if you knock it on the green on 17, the other, you know, 15 quadruple bogeys you made, nobody's going to remember, Mike. So, yeah, absolutely go play. And, uh, you know, one good shot. That's all we're shooting for. 
I don't know, Dylan. I feel like he set the bar higher than Xander on golf advice. That was, that was some good (laughs) advice right there. I think we're going to, Mike's going to be happy to hear that. I've got one master's question. First off, best round you've ever shot at Augusta National. Second off, who you got next week? I went there in my third year in the NFL uh, as a guest, and I don't know what happened. I mean, uh, I just kind of, I could not miss a fairway. um, And, I mean, I was hitting it exactly where my caddy was telling me to, which is so rare, right? I mean, it's like, uh, you know, the caddy tells you hit it here. Okay, I can't do that. But on this particular day, I did, right? And uh, I shot 76. And that was, uh, you know, from the the up tees, uh, right? Let's keep it in perspective. I'm not playing the same tees as Xander Shoffley or Tiger or Justin Thomas. So, but... uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a scorecard that I kept, and I, I kind of keep scorecards from different courses that I play. And so that was a long time ago. You know, I was probably 20, 25 years old. So uh, that was a good one. Who's going to win this week? Look, if, if, if Tiger plays, I mean, everybody's going to be pulling for him. Tiger's my buddy. Um, I kind of like Justin Thomas. I mean, I like those guys that it is high on their list, right? I mean, it's priority number one. I'm not saying – Look, Tiger's proven that if you win one, it makes you want to win one more. But, you know, these guys that haven't, you know, quite gotten there um, at the Masters, uh, I can just tell he's hungry. You know, it's hard for me to pull for an Alabama guy. Uh, yeah. I have to admit that, you know, and I really get tired of hearing about all the advice that Nick Saban is giving him. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I don't know what that means. Yeah, Justin Thomas is kind of my pick. Let me jump into the Sweetens Cove stuff. We know that you are part of the ownership team there. And what I don't know is why you're part of the ownership team of a super popular golf course. And what's your role that you're playing there? How's that been going for you? Well, no, thanks for asking. Yeah. Andy Roddick and I go back to just from being professional athletes at the same time. So Andy called me and said, Hey, I want you to come over to uh, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, right near Chattanooga and come play this golf course called Sweetens Cove with me. I had heard of Sweetens Cove. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the Chattanooga, East Tennessee area, but I hadn't played the course and I, I played it with them and I just got it. I mean, it, it just connected with me. It's the, it's a nine hole course, a public golf course, uh, very inexpensive to play. Uh, got an old shed for the clubhouse. There's just something really cool and magical about it. And so uh, Andy said, why don't you, come in with us and let's buy this course and, uh, you know, kind of be a part of something special. And then off of that, uh, we noticed that people were coming from different places around the country and everybody was bringing their own bottle of bourbon or whiskey and taking a shot before they hit their first tee shot. And it was kind of this organic tradition and they were leaving the bottle for the group behind them. And off of that, we said, maybe we ought to try to start our own bourbon. So that's kind of how Sweetens go bourbon got born and uh, uh here we are a couple years later uh, uh launching a new product called Tennessee. it's a more affordable bottle so more consumers can uh, have a chance to taste it it's a blend of kentucky and tennessee two rivals uh certainly a rivalry that i'm familiar with uh either in lexington or knoxville back in my college football playing days and we're trying to kind of uh have everybody get along if you will dylan and uh all playing the um uh, in the sandbox together and Marianne Eves has great history with both Tennessee and Kentucky bourbon. So she's blended these two together and we're pretty excited about it. Yeah. I've actually got my, uh, 
I've got my original what? bottle here, Peyton, but it's uh, empty. it's empty. It's a little bit emptied out, so we're gonna have to get the new stuff. Are you excited about the the cocktail making uh, possibilities that come with the new uh, the new bourbon? I think that I understand that that's one of the appeals. You know, this isn't just something you're gonna drink on the rocks or straight up. Now you can make an old fashioned. You can make something else. Yeah, that's certainly uh, part of the uh, magic behind it. You know, with the two hundred dollar bottle of, of bourbon as the premium bottle cost, you're probably not mixing that into an old fashioned, but a, but a $60 bottle, uh, certainly more accessible, more people can enjoy it. Uh, look, that's kind of what the golf course is about, right? It's open for everybody. It's a public course. It's accessible. And so we're trying to kind of match the bourbon with that, with this Tennessee launch and making it more accessible and certainly, uh, better for, uh, uh kind of the cocktail mixing, uh, during this time, especially. Now, I heard a rumor, Peyton, maybe maybe it came from Andy Roddick, I don't know, but I heard that in your outreach, trying to get liquor stores to <laughs> hold your bourbon, you have been cold calling liquor stores randomly saying, hey, uh, it's Peyton Manning, will you have us? Is that true? It actually is true. I've learned uh, in this uh, uh, industry, you better hustle. Uh, and you better not just kind of sit back because it's pretty competitive. There's a lot of products out there. We're a small startup uh, that kind of like the golf course, just sort of just sort of bidding and uh, uh, sort of building and spreading the word. And so uh, it kind of backfired on me a little bit because I, you know, I kind of always believed in you take the middle person out and just go right to the source. Right. So I was calling <laughs> these liquor store owners in Indianapolis where I used to play and like nobody would call me back. And so I, you know, I kind of <laughs> waited the normal three days before you hope you should get some type of response from a text or, or a voicemail. And I got nothing back. And, I, and finally, I, I kind of reached out to another friend. I said, hey, why is Don from Indianapolis not calling me back? And he's like, he thinks it's a prank. He's like, there's no way Peyton Manning would be calling me. It's a total prank. I'm like, so it kind of backfired on me. Finally, I got to Don. Don selling Sweetens Cove very well there in Indianapolis. So um, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, look, I mean, the story of the golf course is what I like, right? It's it's just, uh, it's hard to find. It's kind of a hidden treasure. But when you find it, it's worth the time. It's worth the travel to get there. And the bourbon kind of matches that. And the two things about bourbon, A, it better taste good. Because of Marianne Eves, it does taste good, according to a lot of people smarter than me in this industry and it's got a good story with it with the golf course so uh, that's kind of why i got involved with it yeah all right we understand that you're interested in helping out some other little golf courses making little improvements um can you tell us about the give a little program yeah thanks for asking about that uh off this Tennessee launch five dollars from every bottle is going to go toward our give a little uh campaign products project. We're going to try to help out golf courses with those little things, right? Some new mats for the turf driving range, right? Uh, a new bench, uh, uh, cleaning up the parking lot uh, uh, where, where people are parking before golf. Just little projects that we dealt with a lot when we bought Sweetens Cove. We wanted to keep it cool and unique. You know, didn't want to change a lot about it. We added it. We added a bathroom. We thought that was pretty groundbreaking, just adding indoor plumbing to Sweetens Cove, but still kept it uh, special. And uh, same thing for all these golf courses. There's so many out there that need a little help. And so we're excited that part of the Tennessee launch, uh, some money from uh, the proceeds are going to go to helping out some of these golf courses in little ways. 
Peyton, I need to know about your game versus Andy Roddick's game. Of, of the two like main celebrities attached to Sweetens, who wins those matches? Do you have Andy Roddick beaten, or does he have you beaten? I think Andy probably has me right now, to tell you the truth. I, really? Um, you know, and I'd say we're probably playing about the same. You know, both have young kids, and so, you know, my weekend golf is completely shot. I, I, I will go to 12 baseball and softball games this weekend on Saturday <laughs> and Sunday, so zero golf on the weekends. And I know Andy's busy, but, look, Andy's a super athlete. I think Andy has me right now. You know, something about that tennis forehand, he kind of can – transfer that into his uh to his long iron game uh, i don't quite have that but uh but i like playing and you know andy's been a great partner in this project all right paid manning thanks so much thanks Peyton. thanks a lot guys thanks for having me all right and that was peyton manning in the drop zone sean i have to say i think my favorite part of his appearance was just how bought in he was to golf advice uh, it's going to be hard honestly to top that appearance because you know Peyton has a really effective way of taking unserious things seriously which yeah. I think is something we value a lot so I definitely appreciated his contributions how about that story of Tiger saying hey Peyton you're my teammate for the match yes Come on over. Get your ass over <laughs> to my place. No, not even get over. It's you don't have a yeah, choice. You will be here. You're my teammate. You're going through my morning routine for this match, and we're going to win. And they did win, mm -hmm. but it sounded like Peyton was a little flabbergasted. Like, okay, I mean, I agreed to do this thing with Tiger Woods. I guess I have to do his morning routine. Uh, I had never heard that story before. I loved it. Loved it. We're hoping that we can see Peyton out uh, at Augusta this week. Sean. Where are we going to be on Tuesday night? Tuesday night. If you happen to be in Augusta, Georgia, and you happen to be a Drop Zone fan, you have no other obligations besides getting to the Savannah River Brewing Company Tuesday by 8 p.m., not by 9 p.m. You don't have to be there any any earlier, but there's a lot going on, a lot of, a lot of cool things beyond the Drop Zone. It's a golf.com clubhouse event. We got Colt, Nost, and Drew. Good folks from Stoltz. Subpar. Subpar guys, they're going at 5 p.m. Is that right? 5 p.m. Eastern time. Dylan and I are going at 8 p.m. It's a live drop zone. It's drop zone after dark. We might have a guest. We might not. It might just be us talking about golf, setting the scene, setting the stakes for the tournament. You don't want to miss it. You don't. Luke will be there. Dylan will be there. I'll be there. Sean, I'm going to give the last word of the podcast to our special guest, Luke Curtinine. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. And, um, you know, honestly, I'm just really looking forward to Matt Wallace getting his long overdue, um, his own long overdue green jacket. Just look for him in the field because he's he's definitely there this week. Okay, so look for him in the green. Thank you, Luke, for uh, pulling up an obscure inside joke from three years ago that Matt Wallace will win. Uh, I believe two major championships has not come to fruition yet. Sorry for the stray, Matt. I know you're listening. Uh, Folks, we will see you on Tuesday night, and uh, thanks for being here.